Good morning and welcome to Living Waters Fellowship. We're thrilled that you're joining us uh, this morning. So thankful that you're here with us. Want to work through a few announcements with you this morning. The first is uh, the Sofa Amen shirt order. Uh, if you're interested in purchasing a uh, Can I Get a Sofa Amen shirt, please email office at livingwatersfellowship.org with your size and the number of shirts. Uh, shirts are $20 per shirt. The U sizes are the same price. The proceeds from these shirts go towards the remodel fund. Um, please email or drop off your payments to the well at uh, 3161 Southeast 22nd Street, Des Moines, Iowa, 50320. Um, if you've ordered a shirt um, but haven't paid yet, please send your payments uh, to receive your shirts. Also, we're going to have uh, a walk around Easter Lake Park. Uh, our Easter Lake a walk will be this Wednesday, June 3rd, at Easter Lake uh, from 7 to 9 p.m. And so we want you to come out and enjoy God's creation and fellowship with other believers uh, at uh, L- from LWF. Um, we're looking forward to that. We're hoping that the weather cooperates with, uh, with those plans. Um, we'd also reopen for church next Sunday, June 7th uh, at 8 a.m. and then 9.30 a.m. We'll have two services. Uh, but we'll also uh, have service recorded and uh, available to watch on Sundays uh, with links located on um, our YouTube channel and also our uh, Facebook Live. Um, So if you're looking for our live streaming links um, for our Sunday services and Saturday seminars, you can check out um, links regarding YouTube and Facebook Live, and then uh, you can make sure and share those with other folks as well. Um, Regarding prayer team, uh, thanks to everyone who's been praying with us and for us. We have prayer Friday mornings, and God has been uh, good to bring a great prayer team along and uh, continues to add to that prayer team, and he's working and doing great things in our time together, and we invite you to join us uh, this coming Friday to pray with us, uh, to join. Uh, you can simply click the link that comes out on um, on the update as Chelsea sends out uh, that update. Um, also, online giving. We're currently unable to meet. Um, That's going to change, however, soon. But in the meantime, uh, if you would like to utilize um, online options to stay engaged in the preaching of God's word, we want to provide information about online giving. Um, You can reach out on the Planning Center online and uh, uh, be involved with online giving that way. It's safe. It's easy to use. It makes giving um, to Living Waters practically painless. And PCO uses Stripe for all of our payment processing. Um, when you're there, you can click on the Give Now um, or go to uh, our website, um, lwfchurchcenter.com backslash giving, and you'll be directed to a giving platform there. Um, you can choose a one-time gift or set up reoccurring giving, and uh, you can download the church app on your smartphone uh, to enable online giving. Um, and if you have any questions about any of the announcements we've had throughout our streaming or today, um, feel free to uh, contact Pastor Josh, myself, or Chelsea. You can go to our church website and find our emails um, there, and we'd love to answer questions that you may have. Um, Also, um, at this time, uh, we just want to uh, uh, take some time and uh, recognize that uh, we live in um, really difficult times, and uh, the things that are going on with uh, people we know, 
uh, the riots. Um, we certainly think about the Des Moines area. We certainly think about our country, uh, neighboring states, and uh, people that we love and care about. And uh, we want to just take a moment and uh, pray for these people and pray for the situation. So if you'd um, just follow along with me, um, I'd like to offer up some prayer. Father God, thanks for uh, the morning ahead, God. And we certainly, we certainly understand, God, that there's a great amount of turmoil. And there's a great amount of dissatisfaction in our country, in our town. Um, there's people all over the place, God, that are upset, angry, frustrated, um, we don't deny this. We recognize it, God. We see it. And yet, God, we are, are firm in our understanding that you are the hope that we have. There's a reason why you're the Prince of Peace. And so, God, we look to you, um, God, to um, do the work that only you can do in these situations. God, use these things that are happening as a way to bring about your gospel to people that need to hear it. And God, um, we're praying, God, that you would um, do the calming work that only you can do, that you do the work inside people's hearts that only you can do. And God, we look to you um, to do those things. We're praying for the people we know. God, we're praying for our community. We're praying for uh, cities all around our country. We're praying for our country, God. Um, that you would bring about peace and hope through the message of Jesus Christ. And God, we're praying that people would turn their hearts towards Jesus and that they would believe in him by faith and that you would save them, God. So we're thankful for the morning. Um, God, we're saddened by the events that have happened, that continue to happen. And God, we pray believing um, that there's hope. And uh, we pray all this and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Andy. Good morning. All right. So um, we are going to just briefly talk about junior boys and junior girls camp coming up Um in June, check out our registration links. Um, Mr. Cameron will probably post them in the comments and you can register straight from this live stream. So um, if you like fire and throwing tomahawks or watching someone throw tomahawks and spending the night with your friends and hanging out and doing crafts, you should sign up for camp if you are going into fourth through sixth grade in the fall, okay? Okay, all right, so the last couple of weeks we've been talking about um, the Ten Commandments. And so we learned some actions for the first three, and we're going to just review those quickly. We aren't going to learn any more um, quite yet, but we're going to keep talking about idols today too. So our first action was the first commandment, which is you cannot have any other gods before me. There's one. This is our first commandment. One God. One God. The second commandment, number two, you cannot make yourself any idols, okay? There can't be two. So we've got these two fingers. One is God, one is idols. We can't have two. 
All right, and then we have our third commandment. Number three is like a W, right? A W. Um, and this stands for our words. Our words about God man, uh, matter. So we can't treat the name of God disrespectfully. Okay, so we're going to focus in on the number two today um, real quick. So here we go. Let me flip back to my page. So we talked last week about um, in 1 John, we left off there, 1 John chapter 5, verse 21 says, very short verse says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. So it wasn't just an Old Testament thing, but I want you guys, so I want you to look. I found some things around my house, okay? But in the Old Testament, they talk about idols quite a bit and bowing down to idols. So I have my little elephant here. At one point, the Israelites made for themselves a golden calf, um, which is not this, but we'll kind of picture that here, okay? So I want you to think about um, bowing down to my little white elephant here, dancing around it, worshiping it, taking it with you wherever you go, okay? That'd be weird, right? That is kind of silly. But the idols that we have don't always look like this little elephant here, okay? But we still have idols in our lives. And remember that an idol is anything that we put in a place above God that we consider more important than God. And we sometimes will sacrifice the things of God so that we can do those things. So I have a different little bag here, a little bag of idols. Okay, so the first one I have here, it's Peppa Pig, but we're going to pretend that she's my friend, okay? So these are my friends, all right? Sometimes we put our friends up in front of God. We sacrifice doing the things of God to spend time with our friends or to be with our friends, okay? So then I also have... Um, my mirror. I'm not going to flash it because I feel like that's not something that needs to be seen. Um, but we care a lot about how we look sometimes. We want to wear the right things or we want to have our hair the right way, short or long or both. And we try really hard to be perfect on the outside with what we look like, okay? So there's my other little idol here. And then, oh, this one's a good one. Okay, this is Lily's favorite special Barbie, okay? So we have our very special toys. Sometimes we have things that we think are so special that we don't let other people play with them. When they come over, we hide them. We keep them to ourselves, those sort of things. Our things can be more important than God to us. Okay, here's one. Basketball, all right? Lily's a very, Lily and Logan both like playing basketball. They've played basketball for a while. Um, their ball is usually a little bit bigger than this one, but they can be pretty good. Lily got to be on a tournament team the last couple of years. And sometimes those tournaments, they clash with church. And so do you maybe go to tournaments instead of basketball or instead of church? Whoops. Okay. And then I've got, we're not going to use the hat yet, ballet. Nora's little tiny ballet shoes. Okay, so sometimes dance and other extracurriculars. It's not just sports, right? It's not just for the boys or the sporty girls or whatever. Dance and other things can get in the way. And then my works, right? It's a worker hat. 
case you didn't know. All right, I can trust in all of the really great things that I do, and I am so great that, right, here we go. Um, I am so great, remember the basketball, it's just going away, that I can do all of these things. But here's what I need you to know. While we look at the two, right, we did our number two, we have to focus on the number one, right? The one finger in our two is God. And if we don't know God, then all of these idols are just going to stay. And we're going to replace dance with basketball, or we're going to replace our friends with family and those sort of things that can't save us. So I want to take a little bit of time to talk about the first commandment and that there's only one God, right? We're not going to have any other gods before us because there's only one God. And that God sent his son Jesus to die for us. So I want you to think, this looks all pretty silly, right? I've got all my idols held really close here, okay? But I want you to think about, I have a question, a serious question for you. So today, while Pastor Josh is talking and you're listening really hard to him, I want you to also be thinking about the things that you hold on to this tightly, right? I want you to think about what you trade God for. And even if you go to Sunday school when we meet, or you listen to Miss Julie right now on the streaming, and you read your Bible every day and those sort of things, if you don't know this one question that I'm going to ask you, it doesn't really matter, okay? So I want you to think about if you died today or tomorrow, would you go to heaven? And I want you to think about why. Why would you say yes? Because most of you are going to say yes, okay? And if you say no, great. Um, we can talk about that too. But if you say yes, I want you to think about why. And if it's any of these things that I'm holding on to, it doesn't count. Because none of these things, when you die, are going to stand up and tell God that they died for you. It'd be really weird to look at your ballet slippers and say, you saved me. That doesn't work, right? It'd be really weird to look at the basketball I shot across the room and say, it saved me. That would be weird. It can't. It's a thing. But Jesus died for our sins. And he saved us if we trust in that sacrifice and that he rose again to live in heaven, to stand next to you. Because I love you, kids. Miss Julie loves you. Pastor Josh loves you. And your parents love you. But when you die, they won't be next to you saying how great you were. Only Jesus can stand next to you and say how great he is. So if you have any questions about that, I want you to talk to Miss Julie you can call me, you can message me, you can talk to your parents, you can talk to Pastor Josh, and we can talk through that. But I want you to think about, if you died, would you go to heaven and why? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we are so thankful that you have taken away the need for us to cling to all of these things that are not you. Lord, we're thankful that you died on the cross for our sins and that you rose again to stand next to us when we die and say, that you lived a perfect life in our place. We're thankful for everything that you have done for us. And I pray that the people watching, the kids watching, trust in you for their salvation and not in their works, not in their cool stuff, not in the good things that you have given them, Lord, but only in your sacrifice. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Julie, for that great illustration this morning. Good morning, church. So glad to be with you this morning. Let's sing and give our praises to our king this morning, shall we?
Nothing can separate Even if I ran away Your love never fails I know I still make mistakes But you have new mercies for me every day Your love never fails sing this last week and we're going to sing it again this morning so sing along if you know the words if not just meditate along okay 
You 
again. Thumbs up. Love, 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 love. Good job. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Pastor Josh here. Psalms chapter one is where we're going to be this morning. So grateful that you could join us online on YouTube and Facebook. Thanks for joining us this morning. Next week, we will be like together and stuff. It's going to be amazing. And uh, we're looking forward to our experience this summer, worshiping Jesus underneath a big tent uh, all summer long. We're, we're really looking forward to that. We're encouraged by your guys' responses. And again, if you're vulnerable or if you're in a position where your convictions are not quite there yet and you, you don't feel like you can come out uh, to service next week, that's okay. All right. We want you to, again, just honor your convictions and, and stay home. If you want to stay safe, stay home. Um, and that's where you're at. Praise the Lord. We want you to stay home. But for those of you who desire to be together, and uh, we're going to take all the necessary precautions, of course, that, that are recommended right now. Man, we are excited to see everybody. And we're going to have two services next week, one at 8 a.m. and one at 9.30. We invite all of you guys to, to come join us for that. It will be a great, great time of lifting up Jesus and seeing each other again face-to-face -face after a long time. I may or may not cry. I don't know. I mean... You know me, the cry meter can turn on pretty quick. So I, it's been, um, I thought about this yesterday. The last time I got to preach physically to the Living Waters Church family was March 1st. And I just, it just hit me yesterday in a, in a really strong way that I can't wait to see all of you guys again. It's been three months since I've gotten to preach live uh, to our church. And so uh, by the grace of God, if Jesus doesn't return this week, which we are all hoping he does, um, we will gather together next week at our new church property. Um, also, as we read <coughs> Psalm 1, certainly we're going to be praying for um, George Floyd and his family. Uh, we're going to be praying for uh, the race riots that, that have been happening. And there's been so many wonderful, peaceful, amazing demonstrations of of people and uh, all in certainly in Des Moines and then in all the major cities of our country. And there's been a lot of great things that have happened. And some of those things have been overshadowed by unfortunate um, decisions, things like that. So we just, we want to lift up our country in prayer. We want to lift up our community in prayer. And so I'm going to do that after we read the scriptures together. So Psalms chapter one, this is the beginning of our new sermon series called Sweet Songs of Summer. 
And uh, the sermon title this morning is The Blessed Life. And so uh, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1, we'll read through verse 6. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But instead, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked, well, they're not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this um, amazing opportunity, Lord, that we have this morning to sit underneath your word and hear from your voice. God, you are a compassionate God, gracious, full of loving kindness. Your word says that you keep uh, faithfulness to a thousand generations, to those who love you and to those who fear you. So God, you're not distant from us this morning. You care. You know all the thoughts of our hearts. You know all of our sins. You know all of our needs this morning. And we're asking that you would come and speak to our hearts directly through the Holy Spirit's power as the word of God is read and expanded and taught. And God, in the midst of that, we, <clears throat> we want to pray for our country. We want to pray for our city. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for the sin of racism. Forgive us for this sin that has been at the genesis of our country. Lord, this sin has come to bear once again on our nation. And Lord, I pray that we would be a generation that is ready and eager to seek justice, to seek repentance, to seek reconciliation, and to be a church, a people that is after your heart, God. Your word says in 2 Corinthians 5 that you are reconciling all people to yourself through Jesus. And you are building in Revelation 6, a kingdom from every tribe, tongue, and nation. God, you are a global God. You love every person. No matter their skin color, no matter their background, no matter their country of origin, God, you want everybody to know your son, Jesus. Forgive us for making that cloudy. Forgive us for not understanding and recognizing your heart. God, we repent this morning. Help us to keep on repenting. Help us not to stop 
until justice and a knowledge of you rolls down into this country, Lord, like the waters into the sea. God, be with the Floyd family. Be with the Arbery family in Georgia. God, bring healing to this land. Bring healing to your people. Do it by the power of your Holy Spirit and help us to be humble and receptive to your grace. Lord, speak to us now through this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Wind. Wind. It's a real stinker, you know, especially in the state of Iowa. The wind whips across this state unlike many places in the world. And wind is so prevalent in this state that wind turbines are being built by the hundreds all over the countryside. My father-in-law has 50 of them or so on his properties in southwest Iowa. And we're so good at wind production that, that we build hundreds of these things because our state is so flat. Can I get a sofa? Amen. I wish we had mountains. All right. Comment. Like it. Like if we, I wish we had mountains. I, I, I wish we had like a mountain range in Iowa. That'd be great. But like many, I have gotten into biking during quarantine and it is a bummer when you get on your bike and you pick the wrong way around Easter Lake on a windy day. Because if you pick the wrong way, you, you have to stand and face the powerful wind. Strong wind, when it's you know really blowing, it makes you evaluate things, right? <laughs> Do I need to go on this bike ride right now? You look at the wind and you're like, do I really need to go for a walk or a run right now? Maybe I'll wait. Maybe I'll wait and do my run later. Maybe I should just let the wind die down. Wind does something to us. Wind tests the genuineness of things, doesn't it? Standing against the wind at times, sometimes takes all you have just to stand against the wind. So Psalm 1 is all about the blessed life, right? It's all about living the blessed life. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So no matter how you are pursuing the blessed life of Psalm 1 this morning, the motives of your heart are going to be revealed. Revealed by what? By the wind of God. Wind is powerful. Wind reveals. Wind pushes. Wind refines. Wind in scripture is a metaphor that is often used as a tool of God for testing people and testing things. Consider Psalm 35.5. It says, let them, God, be like chaff before the wind and the angel of the Lord driving them away. Consider Psalm 83, 13. Oh my God, make them like whirling dust, like chaff before the wind. Now, wind 
in Psalm 1, you're probably like, Pastor, where are we going? Where are we going with this psalm? Wind in Psalm 1 is the hidden theme of the psalm. Look at verse 4. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Psalm 1, you see, is a psalm of contrast. It is a psalm of contrast between the righteous and the wicked. In God's eyes, there's only two types of people. Those who are righteous and those who are wicked. And how the righteous and the wicked are distinguished is their response to the wind. The wind is the theme the hidden theme of Psalm chapter 1. Now, wind is real because if wind is a metaphor and if it is a metaphor for God's testing in our lives, then the wind is pushed in a place. It pushes us into a place where we are meant to feel the wind. We are meant to feel the weight of circumstances and trials and tribulations. So the wind is circumstances. The wind is trials, the wind is tribulations, and the wind comes upon the wicked and the righteous both. The wind is real in our society and in our lives. Can I get a witness? Can I get a sofa amen out there? Can I get a few thumbs up and loves? We are in the middle of wind. Because God is using the wind of trials, the wind of circumstances, the wind of tribulations to test the genuineness of what's in here. The wind is coming. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? The wind is here. In many ways, the wind is here right now in your life and in my life. Do you hear the wind in Minneapolis, Minnesota this morning? Do you hear the wind in cities all over our country, including Des Moines, Iowa? Yes, even little Des Moines, Iowa. Do you hear the wind of trial and tribulation? Do you hear the wind of circumstances that are trying us, pushing us? Do you hear the wind blowing in a virus we call COVID-19? By the way, that's still in existence. If you forgot this week, COVID-19 is still very real and still dictating a lot of things to us in our lives. Do you hear the wind of trial and tribulation blowing through the social media platforms of your choice? Look, if you want to be blessed this morning... If we want to be blessed this morning, we must stand in the stormy wind that God brings our way. The worst thing Christians can do this morning with everything that is swirling around us is to run for the hills. We as believers above all other peoples in the earth need to stand and face the wind. Can I get an amen? Stand and face the wind that God is bringing. Don't shrink back. Don't run away. God is telling us this morning, if we want the blessed life, the truly blessed life, we got to stand and face the wind. So we're going to see three types of wind blowing in Psalm 1. 
and how the righteous and the wicked respond to it. So let's look at wind number one. The first wind that God brings in Psalm 1 is the wind of counsel. The wind of counsel. You can see it in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The first wind is that of counsel. People want to influence your life. People want to influence your life. Can I get an amen? People are constantly trying to influence your thinking, your feeling, your words, your convictions, and their influence is like a strong wind. Verse 1 is all about the influence of wicked counselors, sinners, and scoffers. And these counselors are called... Wicked sinners and scoffers, just like they are in Proverbs 4.14, Psalm 26, 4 and 5, and Psalm 64, amongst many, many other places in Scripture. The righteous man does not hang out with advisors or counselors who are ungodly. That's what verse 1 is all about. The, the blessed righteous man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The righteous man doesn't walk, stand, or sit next to these damaging influences. Now, you can, see the, you can see the progression in the verse, right? Because the first time that we're introduced to the righteous man, he doesn't, he doesn't walk with the wicked. All right? So he's not walking with them. And then the next, the next step in the relationship is standing next to them and hearing their counsel. And the next step in that relationship is sitting with scoffers. The righteous man has learned to say no to the strong wind of bad counsel. The wicked man, he's like the chaff that the wind drives away. So therefore, he's the opposite in verse 1. The wicked man never says no to bad counsel. He takes all opinions of everyone, everywhere, and doesn't consider where those opinions are coming from. So the wicked man takes all the opinions in and even the people who don't follow God, don't love Jesus, don't love the Bible. The wicked person is taking those, those opinions in and saying, yeah, they're all equal. The wind of bad counselors capture the wicked man. Here's what it means for us today. There's never been, there's never been. This much information available to us as a society in the history of the world. The average Joe, you and me, average Joe, average Jane, there's never been. We have more information on our fingertips, on our phone, than the ancients had in their lifetime. You have more access to information right there on your phone, right there on your screen, right there on your internet connection than anybody had in the previous thousands of years in their lifetime. And you know what the stinky part of all that is? We're not very good at handling information. We stink at handling information. Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness out there? We take information and we don't handle it well. And we have so many counselors coming at us online. It's dizzying. Man, as the great prophet Olaf said in Frozen, he said, I believe that technology will be both our greatest gift and our greatest destruction. You guys remember that? If you have kids, you've seen that and you're like, oh, that's a great line. 
and the kids totally run past the line and the adults are like, that was for me. Olaf was speaking to me, right? Look, you can have a hundred voices speaking into your life in 15 minutes if you just keep the constant scroll. Listen, we must stand against the wind of bad counselors. We must stand against it. We must be righteous people who actually think about who's influencing my life, who's speaking into my life, and is it good, and is God at the center? Is Jesus involved or not? If the people you're hearing from don't love God, don't love Jesus, don't love you, but are just seeking to lead you in a bad and destructive way, don't listen to them. This psalm is so timely for us this morning because we must put good counselors in our lives. We must put people into our lives who are good counselors, who seek Jesus first. This week I have seen and heard junk voices on social media, junk. But I've also been stirred by many powerful voices of truth, wisdom, and grace. And it is on me, it is my responsibility as a follower of Christ to with wisdom filter through the voices that I'm hearing so that I hear good counseling voices. And I have heard voices of truth, wisdom, and grace from incredible black folks and incredible white folks. And what I'm beginning to see as I talk to people within our own congregation, our neighborhood, and, and beyond that is that there's a lot of people who love Jesus with a lot of different skin tones. And that's the group I want to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of the people, no matter what their skin color is, who are breeding destruction, breeding bad counsel, and breeding sin into my life. I don't want it. And neither should you. We should stand against the wind of counsel by pushing away wicked counsel and receiving gladly Jesus' counsel. That's the first wind. Wind number one is that of counsel. Wind number two is the wind of time. Wind of time. The second wind is that of time. And you see this in verse two and three. Time is indicated by day and night and by seasons. You can see this. The righteous man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates when? Class? Day and night. And then he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And the leaf does not wither and all that he does prospers. So you can see there's a time indicator in verse two and three. The righteous man delights in the word of God day and night. He, de he delights in the law of the Lord. If you're going to live that blessed life, if you're going to be blessed by God in your life, you need to delight in the word of God, the law of the Lord. And when do you do that? Day and night. Like in the morning and at night. And during the day. And 
the righteous man delights in the word of God, not just through sermons and through Bible studies and kids lessons and songs. The righteous person delights in the law of God all day and in his meditation and in, in his and hers meditation. Now, what are you delighting in? Is it the word of God or your Twitter feed? Which one is it? Do you delight in Facebook? Does your heart skip a beat when you get online and you find your thread? You find your thing. You find your conversation. Does it delight more in that than the word of God? Joshua 1.8, Psalm 112.1, Psalm 119.104. In fact, basically the entire Psalm of 119. Like the entire thing. We... Love what we meditate on. And we meditate on what we love. So, how are you doing? Do you love the law of the Lord? Do you love the word of God? Do you love the scriptures? Uh, this is interesting. The word delight in verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. That word means muttering. His muttering, literally, his muttering is centered on the law of the Lord. You are meditating on what you're muttering about. What do you mutter about? Church, what do you mutter about? What do you mean what I mutter about? You know, like what you say, small. What do you say, like, and you're just like, it's just you and God, what are you muttering about? What are, you, what are you saying underneath the conversation that you're having with somebody? That's what you're really meditating on. So if you walk down the sidewalk and you say, the stinking Chicago Bulls, I can't believe they stink so much. They're not even going to get into the NBA playoffs. I might have had that conversation with myself. All right. Muttering. And you're like, what is that nonsense you're muttering about, pastor? Well, it's what I'm meditating on. And some of you have muttered stuff this week that is sinful, has nothing to do with God's word, has nothing to do with his truth, but you find yourself muttering sinful words that destroy your soul. When you mutter bad things, when you just, under your breath, you're just muttering truth or things that you want to see happen in your life and haven't happened and the, the things of, these, of this world, which again, with the type of world we're living in right now, the temptation to mutter is about 1000%. Muttering about wrong things, muttering about sinful things. And I'm telling you as a Christian, we are called to mutter not sinful things, but the promises of God to ourselves. Because we are so sinful that if we don't mutter God's promises to ourselves, we will quickly and, and like lightning speed run to sin and destroy our lives. John Calvin said that the human heart is a factory of idols. Remember Julie talking about idols? John Calvin said that our hearts are factories of idols. And we will mutter about Terrible things if we don't mutter God's promises. The righteous man's commitment to God's word allows him to be rooted deeply season after season, which produces fruit. See, he's like a tree planted by streams of water. If you're a tree, that's a good place to be planted next to the water. So your root systems can go deep and wide. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. It yields its fruit in its season every year. When it's seasonal, 
The righteous man produces spiritual fruit every single year. Why? Because he's rooted in the word of God. You can only produce fruit in your life when you're rooted to the word of God. The wicked man, in contrast, is driven away from God's word by the wind of time. The wicked man is blown away like the chaff. So therefore, he's not planted by streams of water. He's not planted in a, in a place where he is seasonally fruitful. The wicked man is driven away from God's word by time. Time is the great tester, right, of all professions for God. You might be really fired up for God in one moment, but that's not really the essence of what is most important. What is most important is you take that profession and you actually live it out season after season. The wicked man doesn't read, doesn't study the Bible, doesn't mutter the Bible, doesn't meditate on the Bible. And the wicked man always says about the Bible, I'll get to it eventually. Eventually I'll get there. Yeah, someday I'll read that Bible. Someday I'll get in that book. Someday, 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 and then someday turns to never. And the wicked man is blown away like the chaff. The wicked man is like Twitter. Dominant in attention one moment and emotion, and the next moment forgotten as a distant memory. What are we supposed to do in this crisis? What are we supposed to do? What's this point? What's this word calling us to do now? Well, what are we supposed to do? As a sidebar, by the way, can we just have a do-over for 2020? Can I get an amen? Can we just have a do-over? Lord, I, can we just do it over? Can we do it over? I, I think I'm getting a lot of sofa amens right now. Let's just have a do-over and start again. That's what I want to do, but this is who God in his infinite sovereign goodness is allowing us to walk through. So what are we supposed to do? Since the wind of time is not going to stop, we need to wake up tomorrow and stand on God's word. We need to stand on God's word. We need to keep standing we need to keep reading our Bibles. We need to keep loving our neighbors. We need to keep seeking justice for the oppressed. We need, over time, to live out our faith in Jesus in a way that is accurate, a way that is consistent, and in a way that is compassionate. Time is the great tester of where we stand in a crisis. It's not so much what we do today but it's what we do today that launches us into tomorrow and what we do tomorrow that launches us into Tuesday and launches us into Wednesday and launches us into Thursday. It is a call from God to bear fruit day after day, season after season. Christians should be the most humble, the most compassionate, the most feeling, the most active in the word of God and their activity in the word of God needs to flesh itself out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in your family, in your neighborhood. The greatest foundation you guys can stand on and I can stand on this morning is the word of God. That's wind number two, the wind of time. And wind number three is the wind of judgment. The wind of judgment is the third wind in Psalm 1. 
It's God's judgment. And you can see it in verse 5 and 6. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Verse 5 and 6 of Psalm 1 shift to a courtroom scene. We shift and we walk into this courtroom and God is the judge on his, on his court seat and the wind of his judgment comes into the courtroom as we, the plaintiffs, stand before the judge of all the earth. And the wind of his judgment is very strong and it comes into the room, God's evaluation of the wicked and the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. The wind of God's judgment in verse 5 and 6 does not push over the congregation of the righteous. In fact, the wind of God's judgment doesn't even touch the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. So they're okay. The wicked, however, are swept away in the wind of God's judgment. The wicked, they weren't solid in life and they're not solid in death either. The wind of God's judgment reveals what is true. The wicked are rightly judged by God, while the righteous are known by God. How you live now, how you believe now, how you endure now will make all the difference at the judgment of God. Not everybody goes to heaven. I know that's different than the false gospel you have heard from time to time, that everybody goes to heaven eventually, that everybody gets a chance eventually. That's not the message of Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says that there is a punishment for the wicked and there is a reward for the righteous. Now, the wind of God's judgment will blow on all man and all, all mankind, all men and women, and he will do it with thorough fairness. Here's what I mean. Psalm 9 verse 8 says this. He, that is God, judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with fairness. Psalm 89 14 says righteousness and ju justice, excuse me, are the foundation of God's throne. Here's two thoughts from this truth. We as humans need to strive to imitate our God by upholding justice in the world. We need to do our very best in this short life that we have to imitate our God who is full of righteousness and full of justice. Therefore, Christians should be leading the way in pursuing justice and righteousness in our neighborhood, in our city, in our state. We should be advocating for those who don't have advocates so that we can imitate our God. Perfect justice and faithfulness. As you can see all over the headlines, all over the world, perfect justice is not a thing that we can grasp a hold of. It's very difficult. But what we can do is imitate our God and bring justice as much as we physically can to those who need it most. Here's a second thought. No one at the end of life will stand before God with justified anger saying, you didn't treat me fairly. No one will stand before God because he's God 
and with justified anger say, you didn't give me a fair shake, God. God knows exactly what he's doing. Even in our most confusing situations, we trust in a God who is good, sovereign, righteous, and fair. The righteous stand in the wind of God's judgment and they are known by God and given strength to stand. So the three winds, the the wind of counsel, the wind of time, and the wind of judgment need to be stood up to by the grace of almighty God. So as we close, I'm going to tell the church this church stand, stand, stand together. Everything within sin and evil and the world wants to split us all apart and splinter us as believers and say, you guys can't be together because that's not the way the world works. Well, here's what we're saying as believers. We, through Jesus, must stand together. We must. We have to stand together. The wind is coming. We have to stand side by side, holding our hands together. The wind is here. Don't be chaff. Don't get blown away by the circumstances and the trials that God is taking us through. Do not allow the things outside of your control to move you into places where you're blown away by every single differing opinion. Some of you this morning watching are proud. You're arrogant because you seem to be standing up to the wind like a righteous person in your own strength. You look around and you read Psalm 1 and you look around and you say, look, I, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm doing pretty good. In fact, I'm, I'm handling the wind better than the other person that I know. The truth that you need to hear this morning is that there's no one righteous. No, not one. Psalm 1 is actually not about you. Psalm 1 is not a commentary about your righteousness. Psalm 1 is not an attaboy, you're doing great. Psalm 1 tells us that we are all unrighteous. No one lives up to this standard. Except for one guy. One guy lives up to Psalm 1. And his name is not Josh Daggett. And his name's not you either. His name is Jesus. If the wind is the hidden theme of Psalm 1, then Jesus Christ is the hidden hero. Jesus alone is the truly blessed man. Jesus alone is the one who withstood the wind of counsel, the wind of time, and the wind of judgment. Jesus alone is the one who withstood the wind of the judgment of God on the cross. Jesus alone is the one who died and rose again and then takes all people who believe in him. He takes all of them safely into the congregation of the righteous. The only way you live up to Psalm 1 is by looking to Jesus and saying, he was the blessed man. And I'm just happy to be here because my position in the congregation of the righteous is due to his sacrifice for me. So everything I have is a blessing. 
everything that I have, my ability to stand against the wind of counsel and to say no is because Jesus is empowering me to say no. My ability to look at time and to, and to use my time for the glory of God and to meditate on the law of God is because Jesus at one point in my life changed my heart and saved my soul. And now I used to never want to read the Bible. Now I read the Bible because Christ has made his spirit to reside in me. Now I look at the judgment of God and what I should be scared of, the judgment of a holy God, I'm not scared of anymore because I'm safe in the congregation of the righteous because Jesus has already gone into heaven before me. Jesus is the hidden hero of Psalm 1. And because he stands, you can stand. Because he stands against the wind, you can stand against the wind. Church, I believe God is going to do a mighty delivering work in our culture. I believe that not because of what I see on the news, because what I see on social media. I believe God is going to do a significant and beautiful and amazing work because Jesus Christ has stood the test of the cross and he will empower his people to stand the test of our modern day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord Jesus, because you stand, we stand. The blessed life, Lord, flows to us through what Jesus has done. And Lord, there's some people in our audience who are just lost. They are fighting. They are the wicked. They are like the chaff. They're being pushed and pulled all over the place. And God, they've tuned into this sermon at this moment and this time, and it's your divine timing in their life. And Lord, if there's any who are watching, I pray that this would be the moment where they just surrender their lives to you, Jesus Christ where they ask to be forgiven and they inherit eternal life and they have your spirit come inside of them. They repent of their sin. And Lord, the blessings of Psalm 1 flow to us as believers who know the hero of Psalm 1, Jesus. So Lord, be with Christians. Help them to understand that nothing that they have is from them. Everything they have is a gift from Christ. Holy Spirit, heal our land. Help us to be a part of it. Give us whatever position you deem necessary to help us bring change and to be the change. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Has paid for every failure.
is not yet understood through the valley i must travel where i see no earthly good but mine is peace that flows from heaven and the strength in times of need i know my pain will not be wasted Christ completes his work in me. Mine are days here as a stranger, pilgrim on a narrow way. One with Christ I will encounter, arm in hatred for his name. battle strong enough to last the war and he has said he will deliver safely to the golden shore and mine are keys to zion city where beside the king i walk for there my heart has found its treasure Christ is mine forevermore. Come rejoice now, O my soul, for his love is my reward. Fear is gone and hope is sure. Christ is mine forevermore. Come rejoice now, O my soul, for his love is my reward. Fear is gone and hope is sure. Christ is mine forevermore. Come rejoice now, O my soul, for his love is my Okay, so it's Q&A time, so uh, you guys can hang out. We're going to do a few questions and answers. Hopefully, they'll be helpful to you. Uh, if you got to go, have a great day. We're going we're gonna to do this um, for a few minutes. So, Bishop Lawrence. Bishop Lawrence, okay. Bishop Lawrence is with us. It feels so cool. It kind of feels Lutheran Catholic-y to oh. call you Bishop Lawrence. It sounds like an ancient name or something. Okay, sorry, dude. Okay, what do we got? First question is, why does God bring the wind of trials and difficulties into our lives? And wouldn't it be easier for everyone if he allowed everything to be easy and smooth? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, why the wind? Why the wind, basically? Okay. So the, 
the why of the wind is, is difficult for us to understand. So like this morning, I was going across, driving by Easter Lake, no wind. It was like a sea of glass. And I'm like, that's how life should be. Life should be that way all the time. Um, and I think we all desire that. So I think the scriptural reality of that is in Romans where, you know, we just, we should desire to live peaceably with all men. We should, we should be seeking that the good of the city. Jeremiah 29 should be seeking the good of the city that we live in. But there's this little thing called sin. It gets in the way. And because of that, um, life is hard. Now, why does God put trials in our lives? That's a, that's a question that scholars have been wrestling with for thousands of years. Uh, why does God allow the righteous to suffer? Well, you know, two parts to that answer. There's nobody really that's righteous, you know, like there's nobody that's really exempt from trials and tribulations. We wish that we were, but if Job can be, you know, tested in the old Testament of Jesus, the perfect son of God can be crucified. Then we are not above our master Jesus. And we, we, de we desire to avoid trials if we can, but when God brings them into our lives, we have to walk through them for the glory of God. So, so I think the answer is somewhere in first Peter, first Peter chapter one, I think verse seven, um, you rejoice though now for a little while you are being made to walk through various fiery trials so there's multiple metaphors in the Bible for suffering. Uh, one is a fire or a furnace. God puts us through the furnace of affliction at times to refine our faith, to see what's really in there. And then also to make us more like Christ. Also, um, the scriptures talk a lot about storms. You know, you got to go through storms. Jonah went through a storm. There's a lot of different narrative views about the storm too. And we have to walk through those as well. So I think, I think if God, if God gave us the easy and smooth life, we would never choose Jesus. I think that's, that's very true. And I think God did make things easy and smooth when he created Adam and Eve. Sin has brought in a, a whole chaotic reality to our, our lives. So what do you think? Is that, did I pass? Is that okay? For sure. For sure? Yes. Okay, I passed. Bishop Michelson gave me a A. All right. Next next question. I know. You can't, dude, you're never going to lose that. Never. Okay. It's never. All right. Bummer. But what is it? But, but your goatee looks amazing, by the way. Just thought I'd say that too. Yep. Just want to give, I want to give Cameron, I want to give Cameron McDaniel things to work with, you know? He, he already submitted, rest assured that Cameron oh. has already submitted a question. Cameron is already. At least okay. once per week. So oh, oh so you've been. There. Filtering out questions. There is some filtration of Cameron <laughs> McDaniel. Yes. Okay. There this. Okay. All right. Second question. <laughs> what does it look like for you to delight in the law of the Lord? Okay. So what does it look like to delight? I think delighting in God looks like a, a work of the Holy Spirit allowing you to desire God. And that does not happen naturally. It does not happen by waking up and just going about your day normally. I think it's the Holy Spirit working through the word to change your desires. It's, it starts with uh, the, uh, the parable of the field. Matthew 13, Jesus talks about a parable where he's like, the kingdom of God is like a treasure in the field. The man walks by, finds it, 
he goes home, he goes to the city, sells everything that he has so he can buy the field. So he finds this, this treasure, this hidden treasure, and it's really valuable. So he goes and buys that. And I think that's what desire looks like in the Christian life is I found this treasure. Dude, I found this treasure. It's, it's, it's worth untold amounts of money. It's worth more than Lawrence's and my house combined. Okay, it's actually worth a lot more than that even. But so the kingdom of God is this treasure that you find in a field and then you desire to spend time with the king who owns it all. And, and Jesus is the treasure in that parable. So I think it's just desire. It's a, it's a desire in the morning to spend time with Jesus. It's a desire throughout the day to point other people to Christ, especially in relational strain when you're really up against a hard trial or a relationship that is going south or a cultural societal thing that is happening to us and is, is dragging everybody down. It, it's that call to delight in God's word, to find more pleasure in God's word than you find in other things. So is that, how's that? Yep. Dees? Okay. Good. All right. What's next? Next question. How should our church respond to the George Floyd situation and the riots? Okay. Okay, um, the George Floyd situation is crazy sad. And I know that many in our congregation are weeping alongside of um, George Floyd's family. We've seen all the videos. Most of us have seen all the videos, the riots, the things of that nature. We've, I've talked personally to, um, I think, every person that is in our congregation that is African-American. And there's just a lot of hurt. And we want to say that, we're, we see the hurt. We want to engage in the hurt. Uh, there's things that have to change. I feel like that's, that's part of the basic answer is that there's a lot of major things that need to change in the lives of people in our church, in our society, in our culture as a whole. Racism is so easy. It's not hard. It's easy. And like to embrace. And it's, it's so sinfully wrong. And so I feel like uh, we need to weep with those who weep. Scripture in Romans 12 says to do that. Mourn with those who mourn. Um, Isaiah 58. If you've never read Isaiah 58 before, please read Isaiah 58 this afternoon where God talks about the true fast and worship that he wants is not the giving up of food, but it is the, the release of those who are oppressed, um, the, the feeding of the poor, the social um, justice, reality of being a, uh, a follower of God. It's a very powerful passage. It totally wrecked my life about seven or eight years ago uh, when I read it in uh, John Piper's book, Hunger for God. So Isaiah 58 is a, a phenomenal passage that we should consider. And I think, I think that there's genuine repentance. You might say, well, hey, I'm sorry. I feel bad about all this. I, I feel like I am repenting. You, you don't repent once. You know, like it's another thought I've thought is I'm reading through my Old Testament, reading Genesis and Judges and Deuteronomy. It only takes one generation to forget the Lord. One gener you're, we're one generation away from completely throwing out everything that we've learned about God and about things. And I, I see that same thing here. The, the, um, the race movement and the, and the civil rights movement in the 1960s, now we're 60 years past that, 60 years, um, you know, 50 to 60 years past that. And it's like a whole new generation of people are discovering the evil sin of racism. And I think it's just, man, we are so forgetful. We need 
this wake up call. We need it. We absolutely do. And we need to lean into the change and lean into what our African-American brothers and sisters in Christ are going through. And we need to not only just say, hey, well, we, we're sorry. No, like if you're, if you're in a place to help, it's we're sorry and what can we do 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 and what can we do? Not everybody's gonna embrace that. Not everybody's gonna embrace that mindset. This pastor is, Bishop Michelson is, other people are. And we're going to do whatever we can. You look at the strategic position of our church. I mean, I'm talking geographic position of our church. It's very clear to me that God has called us to this. I've thought it all week long. I have prayed about it. I have sought it. And we've had it on our minds for 10 years, 11 years now. It's time. This is, this is the time to make a difference. And so I'm, I'm eager to, to see, I guess I, you know, I'm eager to see that happen. And I'm eager to see us bring things together by the grace of God. Not going to be easy. Probably going to be the hardest thing we've ever tried to do. But I think it's, it's, it's doable because of Jesus and his resurrection. So, so off of that last question, in a practical sense, what steps will our church take towards socially and racially moving forward? Um, I don't know all the steps. I, I don't know all the steps that we would take moving forward. I do know that it's relational. It's mainly relational relationship with Jesus relationship with people who are in, in minority positions, people who are in hurting places like relationship building. It's, it's, it's building trusted relationships and that's how things change. Things don't change through policy and procedure always. Mainly they change through relationships first. Another thing that I've seen that I've, I really agree with, like Lecrae said this uh, three days ago, he said, be a part of the change through, through policy vote and social advocating. And I, I think that's a massive step that we can take uh, towards local government governance, state governance, national governance. Like we, we have to move in a direction that actually changes things long-term because if we don't, it's just gonna happen again. And it might have different names and faces, but it's going to be the same thing. And I think that's what our African-American brothers and sisters are so, wor they're so weary of is that this just keeps happening. And I think we have to take real strong changes. So I know for me as a pastor, I'm making it a massive amount of prayer and goal to really engage relationally in ways that I have never dreamt possible. And I think that's going to be the call to our church as well, our other pastors, our members, our leaders, to be thinking differently than we've ever thought. So, and, th and that's coming from a church that has members from Mexico, Cameroon, West Africa, Turkey, um, South Korea, Nigeria, um, South Sudan. I mean, like we're, 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 do we're doing it on little seedling levels. And I'm just talking about taking those seedling levels and just corporately beginning to really pursue it. So, yeah. All right. One more question we have. What should I do with my social media habits? <laughs> okay. What to do about Twitter? What to do about Facebook? What to do about Instagram? What to do about Snapchat? What to do about all the places that you can get yourself in trouble and get addicted quite quickly to stimulants that go into your brain and your synaptic you know, relays. Um, 
if you got a pro- there, there's several things. Probably fasting. You need to probably do a social media fast. If it's if it's just driving you insane, stop. Just stop. And you're like, but dude, I'm watching this video on Facebook. I know it's like a built-in hypocrisy. I'm so sorry, but at some time, at some time, at some point, you have to, you have to do a fast. You got to give up not food, but you got to give up. Um, some social media outlets that are causing you to stumble. And that's where Jesus talks about if your right eye offends you, cut it out. You know, if your right eye, if your right hand's offending you, cut it off. Not physically, but spiritually, you have to take it that seriously. Um, Another thing is Sabbath rest. I I feel like there's, our culture didn't know how to Sabbath anyway, which is part of COVID-19. We just had no idea how to stop. We just say yes to everything all the time. And I think, I think Sabbath is really important because time with family, time away from things, time into the Bible, time into prayer, time into just resting. Well, Sabbath rest involves not just clicking on another video and another video and another video and another video. That's not Sabbath rest. That is actually wearing your brain down and and it's causing really bad things to happen up here in your, 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 uh, your vortex here, this, this front part of your brain it's causing all these things to happen in your brain and you're beginning to see a dullness develop in your mind and they become highways just for information that don't help, not helpful. You have to take a Sabbath. And then I think just, um, just because all things are lawful doesn't mean all things are helpful. First Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 10. Just because something you think is, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that, I can create this account and this account and this, doesn't mean it's helpful for you. So at times, before you get into a social media debate with somebody's post, or before you do something that you will regret, retweet something you don't want to retweet, you know, 10 hours later, 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, that's a bad choice. Those are the things that might be signals for you to get away from something that is lawful, but is not helpful. So how do you do? How do you, A, did yeah, I get an A? For sure. Oh man, two A's. Like my high, my, my high school GPA just called and said they're surprised. I got A's. <laughs> okay, that's, what else? That's it. That's all we have so far. What's the Cameron question that you filtered? Oh. I need One to moment, know. Please. I want to know. I do want to know. From this week? Yes. This week's Yes, this question? is what we'll end with. Cause it's yes. Is Josh jealous of Lawrence's manly <laughs> beard? Since my beard is apparently manly. <laughs> I love Cameron McDaniel. If I can just say that, I have a man crush on him in a really Christian brotherly love kind of way. So... <laughs> Because that's just the best question to finish on. It just is the best question to finish on. Uh, yeah, for sure. Because you connect here, which is something that I would struggle to do. Um, and this is so, able to so go awkward. longer so awkward. and thicker. And you probably can use beard oil, which I cannot. At your level, you can just probably start using Jake Smith's beard oil. My wife made me some. Ashley made me some beard Ashley oil. Ashley Michelson. That's incredible, Ashley. Yep. So yeah, for sure. Absolutely. There is a, absolutely there's some jealousy there. I'm just trying to string together what I can. You know, it doesn't work very well. Okay. All right. Next week, this is our last streaming Q&A. Everybody says amen. Sofa, amen. Yes. 
Okay, so next, next Sunday, we will have two services um, at our church parking lot, 3000 Southeast 22nd Street, 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., okay? BYOC, bring your own chair, okay? BYOB, bring your own blanket. Um, and, yeah, yeah, that's a BYOB blanket, okay? Uh, BYOCARS, bring your own cars, because there will be certain... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, you all got to drive there. Anyway, so... No, you bring your own cars to, if you don't want to get out of your car, there will be specific and special parking spaces for you to pull up to the tent. But if you don't want to get out, you can just park there, roll down your windows, hear the sermon, talk to whoever you do or don't want to talk to after service, head home. I, so there's going to be something for everybody at the tent church. Um, and then we will be recording that via this video here. And then, well, that'll be rebroadcast. So we are super excited to get back together. And so this has been a blessing to do this kind of broadcast church. Do you agree, Lawrence? Absolutely. Yes. It's That's been great. Been great. It's been good. It's met a need. It's filled a gap. But by the grace of God, we will see you guys all next week. Okay. So we'll talk to you soon.